0: All right, JB, I'm going to start things out. Before I even introduce yourself, myself, I'm going to start off. And JB, you don't have to play along here. You don't have to say anything if you don't want to. But for all the Rams fans who may be listening at home or in their car, perhaps at the office, I need you to follow along with me. I, Rams fan, hereby solemnly swear to never, and I mean ever, Question the play calling of Sean McVeigh ever again. JB, I think that's a good way for us to start out this week. Sean McVeigh has proven himself time and time again, but now there's without a doubt one of the greatest coaches in Rams history, from my perspective. Welcome to Turf Show Times Last Minute Thoughts Championship Edition. And JB, it feels so good to say that Rams have won the Super Bowl. Just off the top of your head, what are your thoughts waking up as a champion on Monday morning?
1: Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, second time in my entire life, the Rams won the Super Bowl. Their first time in LA. What better way to do it than in their home stadium with the entire city, you know, partying? The parade looked amazing. Wish we could have been there, you know, but I mean, it's exciting. It's exciting. It's an amazing time to be a Rams fan. And when you think of the, the brutal years that we've endured during their time in St. Louis after the great on, greatest show on turf era, um, to get to this point now, it's just absolutely incredible. And uh, congrats to the players. Congrats to the coaches, the front office. Um, they're one of the most fun teams in the NFL, and they were a lot of fun to watch the Super Bowl, and they overcame a lot to get there, too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. They really did. And um, just like you, this is the the fourth Super Bowl I've got to, to watch as a Rams fan. The second time they won it, the first time they won, I was pretty young, so I didn't get to uh, indulge as much as I did this time around. But, um, you know, getting to watch this team and, and um, going from, you know, the Jeff Fisher era to Sean McVay, you get a young 30-year-old coach in 2017. You don't know what's coming. He's really turned this organization around and um you know finally not just making it to the super bowl but but lifting that lombardi trophy uh, you know as a fan jb you know this too we're emotionally invested in this <laughs> right and there were a lot of lean years there so uh, getting to enjoy this this super bowl championship and some of the narratives that have come out um, during the past week since the Super Bowl win. And uh, we'll, we'll talk more about the Super Bowl itself here in a moment. But, JB, I don't know if you have a favorite narrative out there right now. One of my favorite narratives that I've read out in the Twitter sphere is that the Buffalo Bills are somehow mysteriously, even though they didn't make it out of the divisional round, they are somehow the best team in the NFL. Cracks me up because, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think if you're the best team in the NFL, you get to wear the belt. But uh, do you have a favorite narrative, JB?
1: Yeah, this is probably going to be controversial, but you know me. I love throwing that out there, getting the conversation started. But I really, really dislike the run it back narrative. Um, it was a long road to get here. It's hard enough to win the Super Bowl. It take, it requires a little bit of luck on top of just having a great team already. So um, let's just appreciate the moment. Um, whenever we get to training camp, we can talk about running it back then. But um, if Aaron Donald wants to hang it up, if Sean wants to hang it up, that's fine. This era isn't going to last forever. Uh, let's just try to stay in the moment. That's my opinion. But I'm sure there's a lot of people that disagree.
0: You know, I, I'm right there with you with that run it back. And just because I think we talked about this too um, last week or a couple of weeks ago. No, I guess it was last week, JB. I don't even know. I've lost my mind in this championship era of Rams football. But um, yeah, you know, it's, it's tough. Not only to make it to the playoffs, but to win a Super Bowl. I mean, a lot of things got to go right, and um, not just making the plays, which a, a lot of teams, let's be honest, are really good at doing. But you have to have you know penalties and 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 fumbles and bounces and tips and all kinds of just weird wacky stuff to go your way um, in order to make that happen. So running it back would be nice. Yes, it'd be good to see, but, um, you know, let's, let's take this off season, enjoy it, see what changes get made, because there are going to be some, and we'll talk about that um, a little bit later in the show, but, uh, yeah, they're running it back, let's... Um Take it one game at a time <laughs> this, this season um, when it gets here, this next coming season, the upcoming season when it gets here. All right, JB, let's talk about the big game itself. What are your final thoughts on that um, in that Super Bowl? Just what are your thoughts?
1: Sure. I mean, besides the obvious, I think we were expecting the Rams defensive line to come in and dominate, and that's exactly what they did. It took some time, you know, I think the Bengals had some schematic tricks that they were using to kind of slow down the rush at first. And for the most part, it worked in the first half, but in the second half, it really came alive. The game script kind of went away from the Bengals favor and Joe Burrow had to start holding that football, Von Miller, Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, they wrecked shop. And um, this is exactly what we were expecting. I think I saw somewhere 80% pass rush win rate for the Rams. That's absurd. Uh, PFF grades in the twenties for the Bengals offensive linemen. Uh, this is if you want to talk about having a historic performance in the Super Bowl, this defense is right up there uh, among the best I think, um, but maybe there's a lot of good ones out there too
0: yeah i would I would agree i think um perhaps the uh Super Bowl when the Broncos beat um the Carolina Panthers, I thought, was a great defensive performance. This is right up there as well. But something uh, in
1: common between the two teams, right? You know, Von Miller, maybe.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And 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 we'll we'll talk about his play here in a moment because he was on fire. He was just um, making some noise. But you know, it's interesting, JB, because um, the Rams offensively looked like they could get anything they wanted. The Bengals. They shut down the run pretty early, but they had no answers for Cooper Cup and OBJ. Um, And the Rams were just able to move that ball at at will. And I got the sense prior to OBJ going down with injury that it was going to be a blowout. I really felt that it was either going to be a really high-scoring contest between both offenses or it was just going to be a complete mess. Um, And then OBJ goes down with injury. And I don't know about you, JB, but when I th- saw that, the first thing in my head was like, oh, man, that's that's going to be his knee. That's his ACL. He's done. And um, so, the, of course, the answer becomes or the question becomes, who's going to step up? JB, what were your thoughts when OBJ went down?
1: Yeah, It was clear that the Rams had built their offensive game plan around Odell in the Super Bowl. Um, they knew the Bengals, you know, th- when you think of it like chess, were allocating a lot of resources to stopping Cooper Cup. So Odell was going to get those one-on-one matchups through the first couple drives. He was winning those matchups, especially uh, downfield in the vertical passing game on those slot fade routes. And, you know, whenever he left and that's tough for him, you know, the Rams were talking right before the game about they were so confident they could re-sign him that this wasn't the last game he plays a Ram. And, you know, it might not be, but definitely the status is up in the air uh, a lot more than it was a week ago. But Van Jefferson, he just wasn't the same on those slot fade routes. He's a good player for the Rams. He's kind of had, He's kind of faded over the second part of the season, the the later in the playoffs and, you know, the end of the regular season. But he just wasn't winning the one-on-ones like Odell was. And, you know, it's it's fair. He's not the same type of player. Ben Skronik was brutal. Um, We know the dropped dropped catch led to the interception. Uh, But there were a couple of people that stepped up and it was pretty encouraging to see. I'm not sure the Rams win the game without the performances of Daryl Henderson, who had just returned from injury and was able to get vertical in the passing game. That was a big boost for the Rams. And also Bryson Hopkins, the second year tight end, former fourth rounder out of Purdue, had one catch for nine yards before uh, this game. And, you know, I think he had like 40 to 50 yards in, in the Super Bowl. So the biggest stage in the world. And he really came through. I'm not sure the Rams win the game without either one of those.
0: Yeah, agreed. For as much noise as was made for this being a super team and, and built to win, which I, I hate that narrative anyway. Um, but yeah, it was the bench guys. You know, The, the, the names you don't necessarily recognize or, or pop out on a marquee that really stepped up. Bryson Hopkins is a big one. Daryl Henderson was the only running back really who got anything going um, over the course of the game. So very interesting stuff. Good to see the lesser known guys step up and um really, really make it a game, a good game, uh, when those big names um went down. And not just during the Super Bowl, right? I mean OBJ obviously um had that that was a big impact for them. But just over the course of the season, right? Robert Woods going down earlier in the year. Um Tyler Higby not being able to play in the Super Bowl because of his knee injury. Um I, there, there was some slim pickings, when she, once OBJ went down, it, it felt like and we saw that offense bogged down because that that Cincinnati defense focused on Cooper Cup, which they should have right that that's what any defensive coordinator would have done. Speaking of defensive coordinators, though, that was kind of the time for them to shine. And, you know, I've been a big fan of Raheem Morris all year long Um I, th- I thought that what he brought to the team, the element that he brought to his defensive schemes um, was really good for the Rams. And even though we've both had moments of, of, of criticism, of course, but uh, for the most part, he's been a good defensive coordinator and the adjustments he made at halftime. I don't know what was said to those players or, or if anything needed to be said to those players or whatever adjustments he made, but they were a different beast coming out in that second half really shut down that Cincinnati offense um speaking of Cincinnati JB the first play of the second half and we could talk about the penalty all day long fine or of the penalty that wasn't called it probably should have been called but it wasn't um T Higgins goes for a 75 yard touchdown on the very next play of the next drive, Matthew Stafford throws an interception off the hands of the aforementioned Ben Skaronik. And um Bengals go up by seven at that point. What were your thoughts, JB? Did you feel like it was over at that point?
1: I was nervous going into the, the second half with the three-point lead, and then that quickly reversed. So yeah, my, my heart was in my stomach or whatever you know, saying you want to put there. Uh, I was nervous as hell. So yeah, Jalen Ramsey, a lot of talk that he had his worst game in the NFL, but really like I don't fault him for the 75 yard touchdown to Higgins. Uh, You know, Jamar Chase had the 46 yarder early in the game. And then on the last drive, I think Chase also had a 17 yard catch and run. So those are really the two plays I consider him giving up. But other than that, he was really stout and he was taking some great matchups against Chase and Higgins uh, and he really held his own. And the fourth down early in the game where Ernest Jones swatted down the, the football when the Bengals went for it. Um, the target was Chase on Ramsey and Ramsey was in tight coverage. Like it was going to be kind of a 50, 50 ball anyway. So there were moments in the game. They're not, they didn't necessarily show up because he wasn't targeted, but Ramsey was uh, he was asked a lot of those asked of him and he really came through for the Rams. Also, you didn't even hear Darius Williams mentioned at all. I can remember one time where Joe Mixon was one on one of them in the open field and Williams made a good tackle, but really not a lot of targets to Williams dinner or David Long Jr. Uh, on the last possession for the Bengals was matched up with Tyler Boyd, Boyd hard footsteps coming and dropped the pass, which was really huge. And that set up the fourth and one stop by Aaron Donald. So great play by the, by the young corners. And that's really promising moving forward. I think.
0: Yeah, I would, I would completely agree. And, um, you know, I, I just wanted to go back to something you touched on a moment ago with, with Ramsey and um, you know, he's a great quarterback and, and his, his grades will shake out um, how they'll shake out. One of the best in the league for sure. Um, if not the best, I think he's the best, but if not the best, you know, top three, no question. Um, talk all you want or, or they, or critics or whoever, uh, about him getting burned, not just in the Super Bowl, but over the course of playoffs. But A, hey, these are great players he's mashed up against, right? Um, we knew going into the Super Bowl that the receiving core for the Cincinnati Bengals was probably going to be the one of the most... Um, difficult for the Rams to match up with. And I think overall they did a really good job. Um, and Ramsey did a great job considering Joe Burrow um, and kudos to him did not shy away from targeting Ramsey at all. Um, and you know, when, when you got a great quarterback in the making for sure in in Joe Burrow, and then you have great receivers in the making, um, you know, you're going to have those moments, no matter how good of a corner, um, they may be up against. So, um, I, you know, Ramsey's still a great player and glad to see he's going to be a part of the team next season. Going to be fantastic. JB, we can't talk about the Super Bowl without talking about that fourth and one from their own 30-yard line when the Rams made that 15-play Super Bowl record longest drive of the game-winning touchdown. But there was that fourth and one. And had they not converted that fourth and one, it is over, right? And for all intents and purposes, um, the Bengals score at least a field goal there. Don't leave the Rams much time on the clock. So that was a huge call for Sean McVay. They go to Cooper Cup, the man, the myth, the legend himself, with a jet sweep. And I got us, to me, it was a gutsy call, but it worked. JB, what are your thoughts about that jet sweep?
1: I know the touchdown was great. That's what everyone will remember by Cooper Cup. But arguably, this play was more important. And I think you did a great job outlining the significance of the moment. Um, the Rams—they one thing you got to give Sean McVay credit for—he didn't get away from the run. We've criticized him time and time again over the last couple of years, uh, where then he just uh, completely abandons the running game. He didn't in this game. It wasn't being effective, but it really helped keep the Rams on schedule. At least keep the Bengals defense off balance, which is important. But Really, they, they didn't have a lot of diversity in the run game. And I really thought that they were going to get the jet sweep motion involved and really maybe get the Bengals defending sideline to sideline instead of right up the middle. And he called the jet sweep at the perfect time. And who better to give it to than Cooper Cup, who's you know big and strong for receiver. He can break tackles. They've seen how great he is running after the catch normally. And he got it done. He got more than a yard. He got like seven or eight, right? So that was a big play by him. And arguably, even more important than the touchdown play he made that got him the MVP award.
0: Yeah. And let me ask you this, because I don't have an answer for this particular question. Maybe you do, but where was he (laughs) throughout most of the game? Because once OBJ went down with the knee injury, um, they really locked him up. And so what was the difference going into that fight? Was it just pure will on, um, that, on behalf of, Stafford and Cup just like we're gonna get this game we're gonna get this win It's gonna be the two of us to do it I mean what happened why how did Cooper Cup go from being completely locked down and contained to just being unstoppable in that final drive what are your thoughts there
1: my guess is that they wanted to give opportunities to Van Jefferson uh, to Bryson Hopkins maybe or whoever you're trying to work into the game Darrell Henderson had a lot of vertical opportunities um, but they just weren't effective they weren't getting the job done and their best option was going to their greatest player, Cooper cup. And yeah, they just willed them the ball. I think you're exactly right. So when all else fails, you got to give it to your best player.
0: You really do. And I wondered, and, and this is just me. I, 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 I don't know anything, right. I don't know anybody on the Rams side of the ball or, or anybody who knows anybody or whatever. Right. So this is just pure um, me being just me and, 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 and wondering, but anyway, my thought was maybe there's a little rope and dope action going on on Sean McVay's part like he didn't want to force feed Cooper Cup um during that second half because he knew the defense kind of had things in control we'll talk about here in just a moment and so he didn't necessarily want to feature Cooper Cup but down that drive when they needed it he's like okay we got these plays that we know are going to work because we practice these things um and I just wonder if maybe a little bit of rope-a-dope action and then pulled out those Cooper Cup plays um, when it mattered the most. It seems like that would be the a, a strategic thing that Sean McVay would do, but um, whatever happened there, it worked, and I'm glad that it did. But Robert, I got to
1: admit something real quick. Yeah, go ahead. I, you know, Jerry, JB cried lots of tears of joy on Sunday, <laughs> but the tears of anger came out after the Philly special when Cooper Cup... Uh, dramatically overthrew Matthew Stafford um, on that pass. It was a third down, important key. The Rams were driving. Um, I think they kicked a field goal there, but definitely you convert there. You're talking maybe getting six, seven points. So that was a terrible call.
0: You no. are one hundred percent correct. I won desperate for sure. Agreed. Agreed. I wonder if that's a play that they had ready for the Super Bowl because we hadn't seen it, or at least I hadn't over the course of the season. Um and I just wondered something in my head said, I wonder if that was an OBJ play. And just with him being gone, they, they they gave it to Cup to see what would happen. Either way, um, it didn't work. <laughs> so, yeah, I was right there with you. I didn't know if that was the right call at the right moment, but uh, ultimately things still shook out in the Rams' favor. Let's talk a little bit about that defense, though, JB, because as, as as huge as that touchdown pass from Matthew Stafford to Cooper Cup there was at the end of the fourth quarter, it still came down to defense. Um, Bengals offense had plenty of time to move the football. They had two timeouts and we know that offense can score, but the defense stepped it up. One of the big plays, everyone has seen the, uh, um, the the very last play where um, Aaron Donald threw Joe Burrow to the turf. Pass goes incomplete, um, essentially sealing the game for the Rams, but the big play was, was the one right before that, that third and one handoff. Um, to Perrine, Aaron Donald, just, he made that play, that entire play wrapped his arms around the running back and pulled him back. Um, just mere inches away from getting that first down JB, that final drive by Cincinnati. I could not sit down. What were you thinking? What was going through your mind, um, during those moments?
1: Yeah, I think just for perspective, it's important to note that, uh, were 15 yards away or so from a game-tying field goal to send to overtime. So when you think about the margin of error there, it's incredibly slim. Uh, third and one, you get the run. Aaron Donald rips this guy backwards, a full-grown man backwards. If he even, like, falls forward based on where the t- where the tackle was made, where the collision happened, that's a first down. So, and on fourth down, AD, he's throwing around like a ragdoll. That pass was pretty close to being completed. It and was. maybe maybe you... If you're nitpicking, say the running back, you know, why aren't you diving for it there? He's just kind of uh, lackadaisically tossing his hands down towards his legs, you know, maybe a better effort gets that completion and it's not the end of the game. So just absolutely wild. Um, I'll remember that forever.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I wondered that, too, because at first, at first glance, I, th- I thought maybe it had been caught because um, it seemed like it was definitely a catchable football for um, the Cincinnati running back. But uh, maybe just the the angle made it look like it was more catchable than it actually was. Uh, either way, it doesn't matter. He didn't catch the ball. <laughs> Fourth and one. They turned the ball over and um, Rams got to do the victory formation after that. And they became the champions. So um, we're not going to sing any queen songs. However, we will talk about this defense. We touched on it earlier. How historic is this defense and can they say, run it back, be historically great going into next season, JB? You
1: know, Cooper cup was MVP for the game. But really, if Joe Burrow leads that Bengals offense down the field to score a touchdown, no one really remembers Cooper Cup's moment. You know, he's not the most important player of the game. So Aaron Donald, the defensive performance, uh, it really it was more important than the offensive performance in a lot of ways. So they sealed the game. And when you went out there, I, when they went on the field, I had a, a ton of confidence in them just because you knew one of Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Jalen Ramsey were going to step up and make a play. Uh, They're just too good, and it was their moment, and it was their time to shine. They dominated all game long. And really, when you take out those big chunk plays by Burrow, especially the 75-yarder that maybe there should have been a flag on, the passing stats weren't all that impressive. He was getting the ball ridiculously fast, which is the game plan against the Rams defense, and it's a good game plan. But, uh, wow, what an effort. They really got away from the things that got them there, which, uh, you know, the Bengals are high-flying passing attack. They're very vertical they really got the Rams defense had them on their toes and got them away from what they'd like to do and it's a we'll see how, how Joe Burrow's career unfolds later on but maybe we look back and say wow uh, he was really had a tough go of it in that Super Bowl number 56
0: yeah and and, and that's interesting that that you bring that up because that's something that nobody at least from what i've seen has has talked about over the course of the week how their their passing attack their vaunted passing attack um them being the Bengals was really kind of shut down. The Rams defense did a pretty good job on, on, on that uh, Cincinnati offense. Overall, there were a couple of big plays there throughout the game, which we know that Cincinnati's capable of. We knew we going to happen. Um, but even when they did um, this team showed a lot of poise and, and, um, That's something that we saw and that we talked about last week as it relates to the NFC championship game with the 49ers. They, they went down 10 points. They didn't seem rushed. They didn't seem hurried. We saw that same poise in Matthew Stafford, that same sense of calm coming from that Rams offense, not forcing anything, even though they were down by seven. And it felt like, especially at the beginning of that second half, that all the momentum was on that Cincinnati um, offenses side but the Rams defense stepped up when they needed to. And, you know, as much as, I mean, Cooper cup deservingly got MVP. Yes, for sure. Not going to take that away from the man, but I felt like Aaron Donald should have been MVP. That's just my own thought. I feel like without him, that defense does not step up the way they stepped up um, without his play. Um, they at the end of the game on third and one, then of course on fourth and one, um, I mean, we could be singing a different tune, right <laughs> so um, i don't know i don't know. we can question these things all day long, but uh um, you know it was a great game, and um j b it it feels like we've used this entire episode to talk about the super Bowl um. And and we we could probably spend 30 more minutes (laughs) talking about what happened with this game, but, um, heading into next season, before we get out of here heading into next season, what can we expect? There's going to be some changes on the offensive side of things. Um, does OBJ come back? Robert Woods, we know, is going to come back, or we hope is going to be coming back. Um, there was going to be some turnover as far as the players are concerned. That happens every season with every team. Um, there's, we know some turnovers with the Rams um, coaching staff. So McVay has to fill some, some holes there. What can we expect going into the 2022-23 season, JB?
1: Sure. Well, I think, you know, the 2018 season, the Rams are to the Super Bowl. That offseason should really be a cautionary tale for 2022 because uh, you declined John Sullivan, the center's option. He didn't come back the next season. You tried to replace him with a young Brian Allen, which uh, it took some time for Brian Allen to develop, but he's a free agent this year. And you lose Roger Saffold to free agency. You try to replace him with second-year Joe Noteboom. And guess what? He's a free agent just like Allen too. So let 2019 be a cautionary tale. Um, keep the offensive line intact the best you can or if you can't get all these guys back, make sure you're you're reloading and bringing on a bunch of talent. So I think Allen, No Boom, Austin Corbett, they're all free agents. You got to bring at least two of those guys back. Um, And I think if I had to rank them, my preference would be maybe let Corbett walk, but uh, that's probably up in the air. It's a lot of debate. You can probably even change your mind if you give a strong enough argument. So what do you think, Rob?
0: Well, um, I don't want to see Corbett walk because I'm a Nevada guy and he's from Nevada so he he came from Reno Nevada just like me and so uh, seeing a local kid on my favorite team you know there's a there's definitely something that uh, is just make it makes it extra special for me with Austin Corbett but um no boom's got to come back you got to bring him back with, with with big wit. um he hasn't officially retired yet so that's just speculation but the likelihood is um he steps away at at, at the age of 40 super bowl champion um and you know hall of fame worthy careers so uh you know we we, we kind of expect that interestingly um ian rapaport did um he, he he put it out there right where uh jared book jared goff's contract comes off the books uh todd Gurley's contract comes off the books michael brockers comes off the books and they have a whole lot of room with um restructuring contracts where they can have plenty of money um, this off season to re-sign some of these guys. So I don't think money is going to be an option when it comes to um, bringing back the free agents, but we know that they need to make room for for other players as well. Um, Rookies coming in other free agent acquisitions they want to make. So it's going to be really interesting um, to see who comes back for the Rams and um what this team looks like especially like you said with that offensive line cuz that is key um their performance over the course of the season and their health they stayed relatively healthy over the course of the year um what that looks like and how that line is um structured going into this season jb now we know there are going to be some holes on that offense um On that offensive line, or rather, there are some holes. Right, we we saw some big names step up. Um, Bryson Hopkins was a big name that stepped up for the Rams in that Super Bowl. Um, so when it comes to rookies, I I, I, weird segue, right? But are there any rookies or college draft picks? I guess that you would target if you're um, the Rams and you're looking to fill some holes or maybe um, bolster that, that, that roster. Is, is there anybody you're you're looking at? Are you looking at possibly bringing in a tight end, say a Cole Turner from Nevada? I know I'm a homer in that regard. Um, or maybe bringing in another cornerback Um to maybe compete for another starting job there in the secondary. What are your thoughts in terms of this upcoming draft?
1: Sure. I hate to be this guy, but likely we've seen how, how few rookies play for the Rams. Much likely the reinforcements are going to come from these first-year players who got a redshirt year, like Alaric Jackson from Iowa, for example, that if you lose both Whitworth and Noteboom, he's probably going to be your starting left tackle. And we saw him play during the 2021 season. And he was absolutely good. So um really excited about the future of Larry Jackson. Definitely might need to change his body type, uh, get him on, you know, training program. And I think he can have a successful NFL career, but you know, you're getting Tutu Atwell back, you're getting Johnny Munt back. Um, definitely. I think the Rams have options in house for the tight end position. Also Jacob Harris, which we know he's the tight end wide receiver hybrid. So uh, I think definitely with the Rams limited draft capital, you still need to focus on these elite athletes that are maybe raw football players and coach them up and develop them into NFL, uh, players. But I think that's, you're not going to get the high athleticism at the top of the draft and a good football player. So really you need to take the swings on these, you know, green people and people who need to learn how to play in the NFL. And I think that's what they're doing. That's what they've done the last couple of years. And they really need to continue that trend, but you know, they're not going to be drafting very high. You're not going to get starters um, where they're drafting likely.
0: Right. And, and, you know, I, I think that's um, really touches in on, and you touched in on something um, when it comes to the draft strategy from Leslie and Sean McVeigh, is they're not necessarily drafting guys to be starters right away. And I love that strategy. I love the idea of letting these young guys bring them in as complementary pieces and then develop them. And we don't see a lot of rookies for the Rams. We haven't during the Sean McVeigh era. Um, we don't see a lot of rookies, as starters, I mean, Ernest Jones did a great job this season, but he's the exception and not necessarily the rule when it comes to that. Um, Jordan Fuller is another example. So um, I love that strategy and we'll see more of that coming in. Um, I like the draft. Maybe we'll have to do another last minute thoughts prior to the draft so we can talk a little bit more about this, but it'll be interesting to see who they target and who they bring in. Um, to fill in whatever holes they may see um, leave or open up due to free agency. So um, before we get out of here, JB, we gotta talk coaches too, even if we just touch in on it for a moment because we know that there are gonna be some holes. Um Kevin O'Connell, the offensive coordinator for the Rams, um, is gone. He is now the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. Um Arizo Evero, I don't know if I'm saying that right, JB, but he is now the defensive coordinator for um, the Broncos. And so there are some holes to fill for Sean McVay, which seems to be a yearly thing. Um, Is there anybody that you can, or that you hope he brings in, or he's eyeballing? What are your thoughts in terms of the coaching staff?
1: Well, hate to take a victory lap, but whenever O'Connell was named the Vikings head coach, rumored to be named, the Rams are obviously still in the playoffs, so it couldn't be official but I named four external reinforcements or external replacements on Turf Show Times. Three of those guys have already interviewed, and that's Liam Cohen from Kentucky who uh, was a Rams offensive assistant and went to be the offensive coordinator at Kentucky this year, and that team had a great – a lot of success. and They're a top-10 college football team this year. And you have Greg Olson who left after Sean McVay's first year to go to Las Vegas with John Gruden. And, you know, obviously they have turnover. They have Josh McDaniels in there now. So definitely think you could see a reunion with Greg Olson and then Charles London, who was, he has been a running back coach in the NFL and he really wanted to be work with quarterbacks. He got his chance this year in Atlanta um, on Arthur Smith's staff. So they've all three been interviewed and I think, you know, their options are placed at offensive coordinator if they don't take other positions on Sean McVay's offensive staff too. So um, definitely there's options out there and one big hire that they've already made. It sounds like is Chris Beak. From the Broncos, he was on Vic Fangio's staff. He was the defensive pass game coordinator. So really, the Rams are doubling down on the Fangio scheme. I think that's a good catch for them. Whenever you have all these uh, other people like Evero who are adopting the Fangio scheme, and the, the, it's the staff that knows how to run that scheme is a finite resource, and that's a good get for the Rams. I think to hire Beak.
0: Yeah, I would agree, and um, you know I. I get the sense that this is just something Sean McVay plans on at the beginning of every season. Um, So he keeps an eye on those coaching ranks and, and um, the in-house candidates. And I think he probably has a pretty good idea of what direction he wants to go in terms of coaching hires, but um, probably a different conversation for a different day, JB. Um, But you know what? For right now, it is a championship for the Rams coming into the 2022 season as defending champs and whether or not they can run it back remains to be seen. But uh, um, before we get out of here, JB, is there anything, any highlights or anything that stands out from this past season um, that's just really on your mind or just want to bring up before we get out of here?
1: Yeah. um, Big shout out to Stan Kroenke. Took a huge risk uh, the Rams doubled, according to Forbes, almost overnight. Whenever they moved, made the move from St. Louis to Los Angeles, he built an amazing stadium, really world class. Spent billions and billions of dollars. Um, you know, it, it might not work out in Los Angeles. You know, we saw the 49ers take over the Rams stadium. It's not given that they're going to have long term success here. But uh, up to now, it's really been incredible, and could be the start of something really, you know, really great. Um, we'll see how it unfolds. But there's no better way to win the Super Bowl. Than your home stadium, and the stadium's an absolute beauty. So, congrats to Stan Kroenke.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and similar to to that, one thing that really stands out to me, or one thing that's um, I'm impressed by, and I'm happy to see, is that culture, that winning culture, uh, that that Sean McVay brought with him in 2017. Uh, we didn't know what we were going to get with this young guy coming in uh, he comes just screaming out of the gates with, with this offensive scheme and, and lighten, lighten up scoreboards. Um, but you know, that's one thing you can do that. We see a lot of teams that that, that are able to light up scoreboards but you know he really did a good job um building a culture a winning culture and um, getting players to buy into it i mean being in la is one thing you have to be a winner um if you want to compete in that la market um but if you want to bring in free agents you have to have that positive winning healthy culture so um You know, props to Les Snead and Sean McVay and that entire organization for uh, building that and making players want to be in L.A. Um, So hopefully we can uh, run that back (laughs) next season more than a Super Bowl championship. I think that um, is important. JB, Turf Show Times, even though the season is over, TurfShowTimes.com is still going to be there for all of your Rams tea that we like to spill. Um, JB, what are you looking at towards this offseason? What are you going to be writing?
1: Yeah, we go 365. I took a little break this week, so maybe it's more like we go 360, something like that. But hey, it's been a lot of fun. It's my first season uh, covering the Rams for turf show times and looking forward to doing it for a, for a while. And, and hey, first offseason two, let's talk about free agency, let's talk about the draft. Um, there's going to be a lot of changes on the coaching staff, too. I think that's really interesting because it shows um, maybe Sean McVay's plan for the involvement of this team moving forward. So, um, hey, it's never boring with the Rams and we're never going to have a shortage of things to talk about. So looking forward to having everyone involved.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely right. And we got the NFL combine just right around the corner. I believe it's the beginning of March, March 3rd or 4th. I may have those dates wrong, but keep an eye on turfshowtimes.com for any news related to that. Um, as always, if there's Rams news out there that we need to talk about, JB and I are certainly going to be up in your ear and talking about all the interesting Rams news or th- news that we find interesting anyway, here at the last minute thoughts podcast. But for now, JB, we're going to sign off at least for a couple of weeks, but we'll be back either points during the off season, maybe next season. I don't know. It's a weird, wacky world, but Rams are champions. And for right now, let's just all take a moment to breathe and enjoy this rarefied air.